When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. New beginning. Let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Rockin the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Knockin them down. Baby says you want to go to the game. Go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre gang. Started back rocking the, rockin the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Rockin them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies. What's up and good day everybody. Welcome on in episode 156 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Guess what? We are here. It is opening day, April 7th, 2022. Live on YouTube, on Twitter. Thank you everyone for tuning on in here. If you're listening on the podcast or replay, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. I appreciate that as well. We got a lot to discuss today. Through this season, I unveiled uh, before the season that I'll be doing pretty much daily pregame shows. Uh, some days, just for because of life, maybe it's not like a full pregame show like I'm doing now. Uh, but every day there will at least be some sort of video out that's that'll be de- that'll go as the pregame show, um, and so we have the pregame show Padres Diamondbacks before nine forty Eastern time, six forty Pacific time first pitch. But before we get to that, I'm kind of combining those two. We're gonna get to all the big moves that have happened today: uh, the Taylor uh, Rogers acquisition, Paddock and Emilio Pagan being traded. Victor Caratini was yesterday, but we could touch on that a little bit. Uh, where the Padres payroll is at after that Taylor, Taylor Rogers deal. The Padres lineup today, we'll get to that in, as part of the pregame show. 
but the Padres had some roster decisions to make earlier today, and there are definitely some uh, that I would deem as, you know, put in the surprise category. Uh, but before we get to that today, we got our sponsor, Gaglon Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Subs, is a sponsor of this episode, episode 146 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. They're going to be located at Petco Park, inside Petco Park, all season long like they have been. Uh, they'll be, at least from what I know, down the third baseline, right by the Bally Sports pregame, postgame uh, broadcast booth, just like usual. Uh, located Sports Arena, Mission Gorge, uh, Point Loma, gaglonbros.com to view their entire menu uh, and to give them a call as well. Their phone numbers will be there as well. Uh, Joe Gaglione and them over there, they are great. Have some great cheesesteaks and garlic fries. Great meal that you can have while watching some Padres baseball later tonight. Uh, so we're just that's the sponsor of this episode. Just waiting for some people to get in here. Again, I, I really appreciate everyone for coming on in here on April 7th, opening day, Padres D-backs later tonight. Greg, hello, hello, hello. He says, Paddock's gone, hooray. Yeah, some, I think a lot of fans uh, feel that way. And I'll get, we're, we're definitely going to get in the Paddock, and it's kind of disappointing that uh, he was traded for me because uh, he was one of my favorite players personally, but also him being traded, that's obviously not what you wanted, right? You wanted him to flourish in a Padre uniform. You wanted him to, you know, be that middle of the rotation type guy. In 2019, a lot of people, including me, were probably hyping him up too much uh, and saying, oh, this, he could be the ace and all of that. But at the same time, he was pitching really well, uh, but his real, I guess, his real expectation or the expectations we could have put on him and probably should have put on him was middle of the rotation, back end starter, something like that. Especially considering, I know in 2019, right, you had Gore, you know, and I think he was initially drafted that year. So people were high on him. And so it seemed like Paddock Gore, that would be a really good rotation. That was obviously way before, you know, Darvish came and Snell came and Musgrove and Clevenger. So that was a while ago. And so it, the reason why people, I think, were so high in saying that he was going to be, you know, at the top was because there just wasn't much behind him. You know, you still had Eric Lauer and Joey Lucchese, right? You had Julius Chassin there for a little bit, you know? So I think it's part of the reason he might have been overhyped was just because it didn't feel like the Padres had a ton of options, you know, at least looking forward. And that was obviously before Preller uh, went out and pretty much got a new entire rotation from outside the organization, now including Sean Manaya as well. Um, so we'll get into Chris Paddock. Just trying to see here some more comments. Comment wherever you're watching from, feel free. Again, this, this is like a national holiday for me and I'm sure a lot of people. Opening day. Anthony asks, how do you feel about Nola leading off? We'll get to that in the pregame show kind of uh, aspect of that after we discuss today's news, the roster, all of that stuff. Um, all right. Let's get to today. Starting 
with that Taylor Rogers move, uh, it was it was you know put out there by Ken Rosenthal by some other people uh, last night, right? About the, the Twins being interested in Chris Paddock and Taylor Rogers is the guy that the Padres wanted and were interested in. Uh, it wasn't we weren't really sure at that point if it was just going to be a one for one like that or if there was going to be multiple pieces in the deal, if Pagan was going to go and he ended up going, what the Padres were going to get back if something else went and it was, you know, besides Paddock and something else went. Um, so there was, there's speculation there and you couldn't really get your hopes up too much in terms of getting Taylor Rogers because of all the other moves this off season that happened uh, or excuse me, not moves, but non moves that happened that didn't happen. Right. Uh, where you had Cruz, you know, brought up out there that the Potters were a finalist. You had say Suzuki visiting Petco park and Darvish having a conversation with him. And he ended up having a conversation with him about the Cubs, which wasn't really expecting that. You had that. You had Scherzer last year at the deadline, obviously. Uh, Freddie Freeman was out there by Bob Nightingale for a little bit. Castellanos and Bryant was out there before the lockout. Uh, so there were a lot of names. You know, Jose Ramirez by Hector Gomez a couple of days ago. So there's been a lot of names that ended up not being with the Padres. Dom Smith is another one, obviously, where a lot of the New York writers and Padre writers were reporting that a deal was close. And so my point is that there were, there were just a lot of deals there, uh, no deals, where there was traction, but then there actually wasn't really traction. And it seemed like the reports of these deals didn't really help, uh, you know, those proposed deals get to the finish line. Uh, but this one did get to the finish line. And so this happened a little after 6 a.m. earlier today. The Padres acquired Taylor Rogers, a left-handed reliever from the Minnesota Twins, along with outfielder. Uh, he's had some major league time. Uh, Brent Rooker went to Mississippi State, was great there. And in return, the Twins got from the Padres Chris Paddock, starting pitcher, depth option it seemed like, and Emilio Pagan, who was going to go into this season, going to go into tonight, maybe getting that first chance to be the closer because there wasn't anyone that has locked down that position. But it seems like I would Taylor Rogers would be that first closer option, for me at least. Uh, so that's the trade. Rogers, Rooker to the Padres, Paddock, Pagan to the Twins. There is a player to be named later. Yeah, Gil does ask that in the chat. Ben, do you know the player to be named later going to the Twins yet? Have not heard anything uh, who that player is or who that player might be. Hopefully it doesn't turn into another Matt Brash situation, right? Where, you know, that Mariners trade, the Taylor Trammell, Ty France, Munoz, they go to the Mariners. Uh, and in return, the Padres got Nola, Altavia, Austin Adams, Taylor Williams, I think is his name. Uh, and the player to be named later in that deal going to Seattle is now on the Mariners opening day roster and he throws gas. So that seems like that wasn't a great player to be named later that went to Seattle there and makes the trade even worse than what it kind of looks like right now for A.J. Preller and the Padres. So hopefully that doesn't happen, uh, you know, with the player to be named later going to the Twins, and it ends up being uh, this lower prospect that we don't really think about, don't even mention, you know, in podcasts, YouTube shows like this, or on the radio, don't even really care. We mention his name once because he's just part of the deal and you move on, and then a few years later he ends up being something. You hope that doesn't happen. 
but no, we have not heard anything, Gil, about the player to be named later in the deal. But I just want to get to the impact that Rodgers, that Rooker could have on this team, why I think this deal is a win for the Padres, uh, what the what the Twins probably are looking at there, and just why Pagan and Paddock ended up in this situation, why they weren't able to have as much success, you know, and it's kind of unfortunate, really. Getting to the positive point here, Taylor Rogers first, all-star reliever. And he was an all-star last season, like I just mentioned, 3-3-5 earned on average. He started as the tw- twin setup man. I believe he got like 30 saves at one point last year. Uh, he got to that point. Fastball slider mix, really like that. Uh, remember, his brother is on the Giants, so you're gonna they're probably gonna get to play each other, you know, this next week in that first uh at San Francisco series the Padres have this year. So that'll be cool. His brother is the one that pitches sidearm. Uh, I don't believe Taylor does, but I, I'd expect him to get that first shot to be the closer because right now you don't have that concrete option, right? I mentioned earlier. Emilio Pagan was that seemed like him and Robert Suarez were probably going to get maybe that first shot at being the closer. Uh, But Pagan, you know, everyone wants to flash back to that Dodger stadium game where he gave up just a million home runs in that one inning. Uh, And he didn't, he didn't think he was tipping pitches. No other Padres teammate told him he was tipping pitches. Uh, His velocity was there and he was just giving up bombs. Uh, And so everyone's going to point to that. And they're going to say, I don't want that good guy to be the closer. I still have the belief that he would he would have, you know, bounced back for the Padres and had a better year, at least hopefully, you know, to start out this year in comparison to the end of last year. Uh, but with Taylor Rogers, I mean, you, you can't deny the fact that this guy is going to help the bullpen, not just with his play, with his pitching, you know, being an all-star last year, and hopefully he can continue that with the Padres, but also because he's a lefty and that's a def- that's another weapon for the Padres, right? You have Tim Hill, who before this deal happened, before this morning and AJ was up at you know 6 a.m. making this deal, Tim Hill was the only lefty in the Padres' bullpen. So it seemed like another year where, okay, you have a, le- uh, a couple lefties in a row here in the seventh inning or something, and Bob Melman's like, you know, turns, turns to uh, Ruben Niembla, and he's like, who else are we going to go to here? We only have one left. We've got to go to Hill here. And it seems like that felt like what it was going to happen. And you obviously teams nowadays, they value that right versus left matchup or that left versus right matchup. And so they don't want to just keep writing right-handers out there against lefties. And so in terms of right left balance there, and this will help and it helps. It's not just another random lefty. It's, a guy who was an all-star last year, right? Uh, so that's positive. And another thing that I saw that was very positive, and part of the reason that I'll get to, why I think that this deal was a steal for the Padres for this year is because of the contract. I mean, AJ is pretty much getting Taylor Rogers. He's getting the Twins to pay for Taylor Rogers' contract. He's getting the Twins pretty much pay for the Padres, his, his closer, his closer's contract for this year. And I know I saw on the YouTube comments for the reaction video that I posted earlier this morning, and there and some were saying, 
oh, this is, the, this is only a one-year deal. You know, you can't be too excited about this, you know, something to that effect. Saw a little bit of that on Twitter. It's like, aren't the Padres supposed to be trying to win this year? If they're trying to win this year, then why why should you be mad about this deal, right? And I haven't even gotten to Brent Rooker, who they're going to have for five, six years of control. But I'm just talking about Taylor Rogers. Chris Paddock, he was going to be a depth piece this year, at least to start the season, you know, piggybacking Snell. And now it seems like they'll do that with Chris Matt probably as he's a righty and Snell's a lefty, and that can be a combination. Chris Matt made the roster. And we'll get to an open, the opening day roster kind of breakdown a little early or a little later. Uh, but getting back to Paddock, okay, the Twins have, you know, believe he has high upside and all that. And I was one of his biggest fans for anyone that knows me. But, you know, you got to realize, and I realize that acquiring an all star potential closer that is just going to go right in there. And we're not we're not even paying a million dollars, I don't think, of his uh, salary this year. The Twins are pretty much paying all of it. That's a win for the Padres. And you only have to give up a guy that was a depth guy, someone that probably wasn't going to have a big role on this team. Now, injuries can happen, but you still have Reese Kinnear as a righty. You can bring up Gore. I know he's a lefty, but you can bring up him. You have Weathers still down there who's starting, I believe, in El Paso later tonight. Uh, so there's still options, depth options. Free agency is obviously always an option you need, someone to fill in. Um, so Paddock, you know, acquiring Manaya. you have Clevenger coming back, who's a righty, Musgrove's a righty. Uh, it's just, he didn't have, he just did not have a role on this team. You know, it seemed like a significant, a more significant role than Taylor Rogers will have, I'll say that. And then you give up Emilio Pagan. Okay, you know, look, you got to look at it this, right? Emilio, Emilio Pagan goes, Rodgers comes in. One, it's a lefty that comes in. Pagan's a righty, a lefty that comes in. And two, you save money. You know, Pagan, the twins, I believe, uh, according to tweets I saw today by, you know, national writers, they're actually taking on salary in this deal which means that they like having uh, Pagan for, I think, three years of control. They like having Paddock for another, what is it? You debuted in 19, another three years. So they're, they're, they're definitely buying in on the years of control for some, uh, someone that they believe they can get more out of in Chris Paddock. And someone in Taylor Rogers that they just they're okay with giving away and paying the contract because they get that guy back that they think can help that rotation, which needs arms. You know, it's a very young rotation. They have someone, I think Joe Ryan starting opening day for them who has had like less than 10 starts in the big leagues. So that just shows you they need pitching. They need some more experience than what Joe Ryan has. And so they could argue that it's a fit for them, but getting back to the Padres fit, if you're trying to win right now, right, and that's what Peter Seidler said in his uh, message to season ticket holders this morning, that they're trying to – he said something to the effect of we're, we're going to try to be a force to win the World Series in that World Series 2022 competition this year. If you want that to happen, you got to have a good closer or a good – a uh, you know, a good high 
attention reliever that can come in, right? And I think Taylor Rogers can be that guy. Uh, and so, especially you're not really paying his salary, you're paying 0.7 million of his salary this year to be to slot in probably as the closer. Free agent after this season, but you can always bring him back. And even if you don't, you still have Luis Garcia for next year. You still have Robert Suarez. Hopefully Pomerantz is healthy. You still have other options. Uh, Kevin Copps will be up. I'm very confident he will be up sometime this year. He, he looked very good in spring training. Robert Gasser is another uh, option. I'm not so sure that he would start. He would be a starter in the big leagues. Uh, Steven Wilson is on the roster. He I was listening to the radio earlier today, and some people think that he could be that seven, eight, nine, seven or seven, eight thinning type guy. So even if Taylor Rogers leaves after this year, they still have options. Um, and then getting to Brent Rooker, he's 27, only 27. He's played 65 games in the big league so far. And last year he has power. Last year he showed power, showed power at Mississippi State. Uh, I think he won the Triple Crown, which is pretty hard to do in college. Uh, 38 games in left field, 8 in right field, and 10 is the designated hitter last year in the big leagues. He combined for 29 home runs in the majors and the minors last season. The Twins were high on him. I know when he debuted, there was a lot of you know talk about him. Uh, but they still have Max Kepler there. I think they still have Alex Kirilov there, Byron Buxton they signed to. Uh, did they sign him? Yeah, I think they signed him to an extension. Um, so their outfield's pretty locked in there. You know, they they bring in Carlos Correa to play short. I know that has nothing to do with Brent Rooker. But I think they believe that they still have some power in that lineup. And they're okay with par parting with Rooker if that means that they can get Paddock, who they seems like they really believe in, kind of like the Mets, and they can get uh, Emilio Pagan. Let me confirm real quick. Emilio Pagan's contract. He's making $2.3 million this year, so that's going to the Twins. Paddock's making around the same thing, I believe. And so I, I did say – okay, so a few moments ago I did say Pagan has three years of control. He has two. Paddock has three. Pagan has two. This year and then next year, and then he's a free agent after 2023, after the 2023 season. Um, so they like the tiers to control there, more control than Rodgers. They like the upside, I guess, that they see in Paddock. They can get something more out of that fastball, you know, get some more ride on that fastball. They, you know, the fastball seemed a little flat last year. I don't think they're really buying into, like, we have to make that curveball a third pitch. I think it's more of let's make sure that changeup's great and really, you know, hit the spots with the fastball and, you know, really help that fastball get along there. I think that if – Look, I'm rooting for Paddock. You know, I have family in Minnesota, so there's no other better team that I'd like him to go to than Minnesota. So, and then something else there reunites with Jace Tingler. Uh, but getting back to Rooker, because that's the Padres' standpoint of it, 65 games, he is a power bat. He didn't make the opening day roster, but there is still, he's still, I think, going to impact the team this year. And he could be a good platoon with Beatty in left field if Profar they decide screw this left field thing use him utility or he gets hurt something like that I think that's a solid option 
And from what I've heard, Rooker isn't the greatest defender, but neither is Beatty or Profar. So nothing really new there. They're doing that for the power that they see in Rooker. But I mean, in this turn, this deal for the Padres, I think it's a win. Paddock had a 4-2-1 ERA in three years with the Padres, had a great start. It looked like a like an ace caliber pitcher to start 2019. But then was never consistent after that. You know, Pagan became very expendable after struggling at struggling at the end of last season. Like I mentioned, I had a 4-8-3 ERA, negative 0.4 war, a 1-1-6-8 whip. And you usually want that whip to be below one. And so it was over one. So that was last year's stats for Pagan. So he came, he became expendable. They get someone who's had more success recently than uh, Pagan. They're not really paying him. This move puts them under the luxury tax, which we know Preller and Seidler wanted to have happen because they went over it last year. So they don't want to go over it again. Because then that means that they'd have to pay 30% tax on however much they went over. And they don't want to do that. They want to reset it so that they can go over next year if they need to. And Seidler mentioned on Ben and Woods yesterday about him, not him, but the Padres in general, you know, them promising that, look, we're still going to continue spending money on players. And so it seems like to me they want to get under want to stay under by the end of the season because that's what actually matters. They can go over again and then just get under again in terms of moves that they make, you know, sorting money, putting money into different deals, putting taking it out uh, in terms of money that's going into the luxury tax for the Padres. So they can get over it again and then go under, but right now they're under it, and that's where the Padres want to be, I believe. If, they're, if they were going to go over it, you don't go over it for like a Daniel Hudson like they did last year or for Taylor Rogers this year, because it's only one year, right? You don't go over it for Sean Mania even because it's one year. So they have acquired contracts where it's one year, right? Mania Rogers, um, Martinez is obviously multiple years, but if he has a good year, it is a one year deal because he has a player option after every year of his contract. So Preller's going pretty much the one year route for most of his deals that he's did that he did this season. Uh, and I think some of it is because of the moves that he's made past in the past with Kim and Pomerantz and guys like that Profar, because he knows that those guys are going to be there next year. And so he's just doing these one year deals. If it doesn't work out, don't bring them back. And if it doesn't work out, like let's say with Martinez, well, he comes back, but okay. You don't have to bring back Manaya. You don't have to bring back Rodgers if it doesn't work out, right? So that I think that's a perspective that he liked and why Preller, you know, decided to pull the trigger on these type of moves, you know, with Rodgers, a one-year deal, those one-year deal type, those type of deals. And, you know, they're, they're trading for uh, someone that could have power in the outfield, which is what they needed, right, with Profar being the left fielder and Beatty being, you know, the backup platoon guy there in the outfield. They do have him listed as an infielder, Beatty, which is kind of weird, but it doesn't really matter. I think he's going to play more in the outfield than the infield, but maybe they're saying, Hosmer, hey, dude, better perform here, or Beatty might get some time here at first. Who knows? Uh, but look, they get Rooker for five or six years, which is more control that they'd have over Paddock, right? 
They get an all-star reliever last year coming in and hopefully continues that this year. They're not paying the contract. I've said that already a million times, but I, I keep hammering that point because I think it's huge because it keeps them under the luxury tax. And I think that's a victory for the Padres front office going into the season. Does that matter for any Padres fan? I don't think so. It's not our money. Well, technically it is for season ticket holders and people that spend money because it does go, it, that does pay for the players contracts. But in terms of the money, like we're not actually signing the checks, right? It's Peter Sider is. That's my point. Um, so it's not really our money. So I don't think fans, most of the people watching or listening really care about if they're over or under it. You know, they just want a winning team, and I definitely agree with that. Uh, but for people like myself and knowing just how it works, and the front office does care, so in turn that kind of makes me care because I'm looking at it, trying to look at it at least a little bit from their perspective, not just from a fan perspective. I think getting under that luxury tax was big. But, yeah, Paddock, Pagan, they kind of reached their point in San Diego. Don't know how much the Padres were going to get out of them this season. So I like the deal. Now, before we move on to this Padres roster, just trying to see through a little bit, going through the comments here, what people think. Johnny says Preller didn't steal anyone. I think it was a steal because Paddock wasn't going to have a huge impact this year, at least to start the year. Pagan is not an upgrade from Rogers. Rogers is the upgrade for, from Pagan, in my opinion. It's a lefty, not a righty, which helps balance the bullpen. Let me know, Johnny, why you don't think Preller didn't steal anyone. You get a guy that could really be like a Hunter Renfro, you know? In uh, in Rooker, and then Rogers, facts are facts. He's the better pitcher right now than Pagan. He Johnny brings up the point. Look how they made All Star Adam Frazier like he was a struggling rookie. They didn't. I don't think they made him that. He just didn't play in better. He didn't play as well as he did in Pittsburgh. They didn't do it. Frazier just didn't play well. And looking back on it, yeah, it was a move that I think Preller made thinking that he was going to be able to trade Hosmer to the Rangers, and it ended up not happening. And so you had a clubhouse that maybe wasn't too happy about that, and Frazier didn't really fit, and they traded him in the offseason. Let's see here. Gil says, we have Ray Kerr, Jose Castillo in AAA, Morhone, Palm coming back midseason. Weather is gore. We have plenty of lefty arms now. I don't know about plenty. I mean, you know, Preller, he always is going to want to go make upgrades. But I agree. I like Ray Kerr. Castillo's middle of the year as well, like Pomerantz and Morhone. So I wouldn't just put him in. I know he's throwing but he's not going to make an immediate impact. And then Gore and Weathers, if they're not dealt, yeah, I think they're going to have an impact this year. So I agree. Lefties, they um, they definitely improve their left-handed pitching corpse, if you will, with this trade. All 
All right, let's move to the Padres roster, the uh, Padres kind of roster breakdown. That roster was released earlier this morning. It had to be in by 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, And there were some surprises. C.J. Abrams obviously is the big headliner, right? He made the team. He he isn't starting tonight, which we'll get to in the pregame show portion of this. But he is on the roster, and that's expected. Wearing number 77, which is kind of weird. He wore 87 in spring, so you would have thought, okay, why not just stick with that number? It was working for you there. Maybe he just wanted a lower number because he's in the big leagues, but it's not that much lower. <laughs> I don't. I, I was more expecting – I know Grisham has two, but a much lower number than 77. Uh, but he made the roster. Starting with the starting pitchers, we'll go through the entire roster here name by name. Darvish, Musgrove, Manaya, Snell, and Martinez, just as expected. Darvish pitching later tonight. Musgrove going game three. Manaya will go game two tomorrow. Snell and Martinez, I don't believe that they've had any order of who will pitch. Let me look at Twitter real quick just to see. Just to see if there's any updates. Bob Melvin, breaking news. Bob Melvin has said, he said 10 minutes ago, that Taylor Rogers is the Padres' closer. So all that speculating I just did about, yeah, you'll probably get the opportunity there. Yep, he is going to be the closer. He is going to be the closer, and that's expected. Because I don't think they were confident in Nelson Lamed out of the gate being a closer. I don't think they were confident in Robert Suarez being the closer. Uh, But going back to Snow and Martinez – It has not been uh, put out there yet who's going to be starting games four or five. Uh, So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, But those five starters, those are going to be the five starters, not anything to really talk about much there. Austin Adams, here's the bullpen. Austin Adams, Nabil Chrismat, Javi Guerra, Pierce Johnson, Denelson Lamette, Craig Stammen, Robert Suarez, Stephen Wilson, Tim Hill and Tyler Rogers, Taylor Rogers, sorry. Rogers is the closer. I would expect Suarez or Adams, someone like that to be the eighth inning guy, seventh inning. Uh, Tim Hill is definitely going to get probably some higher leverage spots. I would think, you know, if matchups come into play, Uh, but getting to some surprises and surprises for me kind of start in that bullpen. Chris Matt, now that Paddock was dealt, isn't a surprise. But Javi Guerra, I think, was a surprise. I know that he's out of options, so the Padres didn't want to give up on him. So that's why they wanted to have him on the roster. And so they were like, hey, we're having 28 guys on the roster. We don't have to pitch him if we don't want to, but let's keep him. You know, let's let's keep him, at least for now. Maybe work out a trade later. Once injuries happen or something, or if injuries happen, he can pitch. But just keep him on the team because if they DFA him, some team's going to pick him up. That's probably what their thought process is or process was. So that's why Gary's on the team. But I don't really understand why you just put him on the roster. I understand. I just went into that. I know that might be a little contradictory because I just went into. 
me saying that they like gear and they don't want to give up on him. So they're just going to put him on the roster because he was out of options. But at the same time, if you're trying to win, don't you want to use that? And maybe, maybe he will be pitching in these big games. But I'm not huge on Javi Guerra. I see the velocity and all that, but I haven't seen a whole lot of consistent, a lot of consistency from him. And so, would you rather have Javi Guerra on the team over Kevin Copps, who looked really good? Would you rather have him over Ian Kroll, who's another lefty? You know, I think that's a valid question to ask. Um, so Guerra, I think that was definitely interesting. Steven Wilson, not surprised by that was he was definitely a beneficiary, I think, of the 28-man roster. Uh, I was listening to the radio, John and Jim earlier today, and Kyle Glazer was saying that he could be a seventh and eighth inning type guy by the end of the season. I don't know about that, but the Potters are high on him, and he definitely will be getting in the games. I, I believe that. But more of the surprise, the two kind of main surprises were Gare for me. I'm just not that high on him. And then Jose Azacar on the outfield. The outfield is Jose Azacar, Trent Grisham, Will Myers, and Profar. Uh, they have Beatty as an infielder with Abrams, Cronenworth, Hosmer, Kim, Machado, and Voigt. Voigt's obviously a DH, but they have him as an infielder. He'll play some first base probably. I'd like him to be the DH. I don't think that it would be smart for the Padres to just uh, put him out there and, you know, risk more injury, maybe have him get hurt defensively. I don't think that's too smart, you know, when he can definitely add some power to that lineup if, he's, if he can stay healthy all year. Uh, but as for the outfield, obviously Grisham, Myers, Profar, whatever, that's obvious. But Jose Azucar that didn't really seem like it was going to be something that was going to happen. Like from the roster projections that I was seeing, I wasn't seeing too many Jose Azacar, uh, you know, mentions to be in the outfield. He doesn't have a ton of power and I get, it's just a backup outfielder. He's not going to start. Right. It feels kind of like a Jorge Mateo type, stopgap, backup outfielder type thing. Jake Marisnik, kind of what it feels. Uh, but for Jose Azucar, like, especially with the Brent Rooker edition, you would have thought that Rooker would have been on the opening day roster because Rodgers is, right? Both, both twins guys, Rodgers is on it. So maybe the Padres want to just see if Rooker can get hot in AAA and then bring him up. If they want him to just get consistent at bats and they know he's not going to get it here. I don't know. I think if he was here, I think he'd be more of a platoon situation. I think that's what would have happened. Uh, but the Azucar move. I think I would have rather had Rooker on the team over Azakar because of that power option. You know, he could uh, be that power option off, uh, you know, off the bench. There's not – when you look at the bench, there's not a whole lot of power there, right? 
you have Alfaro, but you don't you usually don't want to pinch hit catchers because what if your starting catcher gets hurt, right? Then what happens? Um, so that you don't really want to do that. Now I know there's the DH, but there are going to be some situations where the Padres are losing late in games, and guess what? You're going to want some power in there instead of Profar, right? And so I think Rooker would have been nice to have as a righty. You know, if if, if uh, Tori Lavello brings a lefty into the game, you have Rooker that can come off the bench and miss. You know, counteract that. So that's kind of my thinking about that. So Azakar for me was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, but CJ Abrams now, I mean, I apologize for the long pauses. I'm just trying to go through situations a little bit in my head, like why why kind of the Potters were thinking this. I think with Azakar up, maybe they're like, okay, if he's the fourth outfielder, is Abrams also like that as well? He's doesn't have a ton of power right now. He'll get stronger and have more power, I think. Uh, but you have Azakar and Abrams. Okay, you have Azakar up there right now, so Abrams doesn't have to feel the pressure of having to quickly learn center field, right? Azakar played center field a lot during spring, so he can be a backup to Grisham in center. I'm sure he can play the other two outfield positions as well. So maybe that's why, you know, they they were scared with the fact of having CJ be a backup center fielder to start the season when he played right field in the only spring training outfield uh, game that he played in, the opportunity that he played, or the game that he played, the only opportunity that he had in the outfield. He played right, not even center. And now you're going to expect him to be a backup center fielder on opening day. I don't think the Padres like that, so – I think that's a big reason as well why they went with Azakar, the familiarity, him being a backup center fielder. I think those are uh, definitely uh, likely scenarios for you know what the Padres were thinking of there. Uh, those were kind of the only surprises. So I guess Guerra Azakar for me. Yeah, Steven Wilson maybe a little bit, but not really considering that it was 28 men on the roster. If it was 26, maybe Steven Wilson would have been more of a surprise. Uh, but it's not. So, again, Bob Melvin has told the media that Taylor Rogers is the closer. So give your thoughts in the comments what you think about that. Just trying to okay. I don't see any more updates so far on Bob Melvin's comments. So let's move into the the uh, or actually before we do that, let's go through some of the comments here. Again, anyone tuning in here, happy opening day! Hit that like, subscribe buttons, notification bell as well. So you don't miss any video that comes out. You don't miss when I go live. All right, let's see what the chat thinks. Let's see what the chat thinks. Gil says, as a car is a uh, 
plug-in uh, plug piece anywhere in the outfield. Don't see him here the whole year. I don't see him in the majors the whole year. I think his his uh, stay in the his stay in the majors will be pretty short. I think they're going to want Brent Rooker up when they realize that power is lacking to start the year. Uh, let's see. Gil also says, Eggy Rosario, Javi Guerra, and Jose Azacar all trade assets. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about Javi Guerra. Like, maybe. But if they DFA'd him, they could have worked out a trade with another team. And you could say, well, Ben, maybe that lowers his value. And maybe. But, yeah, okay, he throws hard. But what else does he do? I'm just not that high on him, to be honest. Jose Azacar, I don't really know what you're going to get in trade value with him. Eggie Rosario, you'd get more, I think, in a trade, uh, you know, in terms of in return than you'd get for Jose Azacar. So they could be used, they could be traded, but I think Eggie Rosario would probably bring out, bring the most back. If we're just looking at single players' value from those three guys, Rosario, Guerra, and Azakar. Gil says, by the time Tatis comes back, Abrams will have had to take some outfield reps in practice and maybe some games. Yeah, and I think that's a good aspect. Yeah, I think uh, a good viewpoint. I think that Azakar. You know the Potters were worried, didn't want to back, didn't want to have, you know, Abrams as the backup primary backup center fielder. Now they don't have to worry about that. They can give Abrams some more reps there, uh, if that's what they you know choose to do. And then by the time Tatis comes back, hopefully Abrams is healthy, everything's going well there, and they still have confidence in Kim to be a backup utility infielder there, and they can move Abrams more into the outfield. I think that's a scenario that you definitely see happen. All right. Shall we move into the pregame portion, pregame show portion of episode 146? Again, thank you, everyone, for watching, for listening. I did want to say before we get started with this pregame portion, pregame show, every before every game, it could be sometimes because of work or life, shorter videos. It might just be pregame thoughts as the pregame show. During the summer, uh, when I'm at Petco Park, hopefully I'll have the pregame show from Petco Park, inside Petco Park. So I hope you'll tune in for that. Um, and every pregame show is not going to be an episode of the podcast. So it's not like I'm going to have like a thousand episodes by the end of the season because I'm having pregame shows be episodes. No. Today, it's part of the episode because I just wanted to do it all at one time because it's opening day. You had the roster decisions. You had the Brent Rooker, Taylor Rogers acquisitions from the Twins. You had Paddock and Emilio Pagan being gone. Um, so that was something to definitely talk about. You had Abrams, you know, being on the roster. And it just made sense, you know, just put the pregame show in, you know. We have less than two hours now till first pitch. So that's something to be very, very excited about. Best day of the year for me. Master Thursday, Tigers back. For anyone that's interested in that, under par today. That was great to see what a comeback that is right now. 
Uh, so this is the best sports day on the calendar so far this year. You would have wished that they weren't smushed together, the Masters and baseball, because I'm a big fan of both. And so I wanted it to kind of be spread out, not, you know, me having, you know, the Padres and then, and you also have the Masters. You just want to enjoy both single, singly, if that's a word, if you get that. But again, pregame show probably going to be like 20, 30 minutes before every game. Most times when I do have the time to do that, when I'm not, you know, busy doing something else. And usually they're not going to be part of an episode unless like a big move happens. And then I'll make an episode and attach the pregame show to it. Cause I think that just makes more sense. But without further ado, let's get to the pregame show portion of this episode. Diamondbacks Padres later tonight, 9 40 Pacific time, 640, or excuse me, Eastern time, 640 PM Pacific time pitching matchup. Madison Bumgarner for the Diamondbacks, you Darvish for our San Diego Padres. Bumgarner, this is this and Darvish. This is the same pitching matchup that happened last year at Petco Park. Madison Bumgarner went four innings, gave up six runs, seven hits, walked three, and gave up two bombs. Remember, Hosmer and Myers took him deep. And then Darvish only went two-thirds of an inning longer than Bumgarner, went four and two-thirds innings, gave up four runs, eight hits, walked one, gave up, or excuse me, struck out six, and also gave up two home runs like Bumgarner did. Two home runs that Darvish gave up were guessed to were two, guess who? Cattell Marte and Ostrubel Cabrera. Marte is still on the Diamondbacks. He's going to be hitting second today. Uh, Hosmer went three for four, drove in three runs against Bar- Bumgarner in 2021. Remember in 2020, he had like six RBIs or something crazy uh, in that first game of the season in 2020 um, when there were no fans in the stands. That bet go. Uh, but that's kind of my what to watch for here, you know, continuing with that Hosmer point and Myers, to be honest, because Myers played, did really well against Bumgarner last year as well. Uh, will Hosmer and Myers continue to mash against Bumgarner? I think that'll be big. Both are hitting in the middle of the lineup, right? You got Myers hitting fifth, Hosmer hitting sixth, back to back. So will they do that again this year? We'll see. I think that's something to watch for tonight. You know, will they be able to continue their success against Mad Bum tonight? That's my what to watch for. Again, these pregame shows, it'll usually be, obviously there's no record, so I can't do that. But the records of the team, where the Padres stand in the division, pitching matchup, relevant stats in terms of, you know, batters and their how they do against the pitchers, any notable things there. The lineups for each team, what to watch for, bullpen usage charts. I'll bring that out probably starting tomorrow uh, because today the bullpen's fresh. You know, they had a day off yesterday. But for anyone that's new, uh, that wasn't in tune with the Twitter account last year, I have a bullpen usage chart that I put out every day that I think is very unique and I think that people enjoy seeing. And it displays all the relievers, Updated every day with moves and anything that happens. Updated with all the relievers. And for the last five games, the last five days, how many pitches did each guy throw? 
in those last five days. So tomorrow you'll see kind of the uh, layout of that. Um, so that's probably going to be tomorrow. Bullpen's fresh. And according to Bob Melvin, Taylor Rogers is the closer. Um, getting to, yeah, let's get to the Padre lineup. And someone earlier in the chat asked me to give my thoughts on Austin Nola hitting leadoff. Before we get to that, here's the lineup. You got Austin Nola leading off, catching. Manny Machado hitting second, playing third. Jake Cronenworth hitting third, playing second base. Luke Voigt, the DH, batting fourth. Batting fifth, Will Myers playing right. Batting sixth, Eric Hosmer at first. Batting seventh, Jerickson Profar playing left. Batting eighth, Hassan Kim playing short. Abrams will start on the bench. Trent Grisham batting ninth, playing center. And so people, obviously, when they see this lineup, they're like, whoa, Austin Nola leading off. Holy cow. This is something that I didn't see. Did he? I don't even – he might have let off once or twice during spring training, but I, didn't, I don't think people thought much of it because it's spring training. Who cares what the order is, right, until like the very last couple games? Who cares what the order is, you know? But he, did, he was not hitting leadoff, you know, a couple of days ago when they had that, you know, A lineup, pretty much opening day lineup in there. But he is hitting leadoff. But I do think people are kind of overreacting to Austin Nola leading off. Like, come on. He's only going to hit leadoff probably once the entire game. It's just to start the game. So I think people taking that a little bit out of proportion with Nola leading off. And give me your thoughts in the comments. Feel free. Uh, but last year, he actually had a higher on-base percentage than Trent Grisham. Both dealt with injuries, so it's not like you're, you're saying, hey, Ben, Trent played all 162 games. Nola didn't. That's why. You know, he had more chances to fail. No, both didn't, didn't stay healthy all year. Nola higher on-base percentage, 340 compared to Grisham's 327. And Grisham is batting ninth, so it's not like he's, like, in the middle of the order. So Grisham can be – he could lead off at some point this uh, tonight during this game. I think that Melvin likes him in the leadoff spot, and we'll see him in the leadoff spot against righties, right? Uh, but Mad Bum is a lefty, and Nola is a righty. So that split can also come into play there. So Nola leading off, I wouldn't – put too much into that look he get, he gets on base pretty good and both i know grisham has more power than nola but it's not like he's gonna hit it's not like he hits home runs every lead off at bat like i think they know that the bottom half of the lineup right myers hosmer profar kim grisham even isn't great power wise and so they want someone on base they want a righty to face Bumgarner right out of the gate instead of a lefty-on-left matchup. So I think that's why they did that. So I wouldn't put too much into that. I would, in turn, if I was Bob Melvin, I wouldn't have run with this lineup. I, I don't, to be honest, I don't like having the back-to-back -back righties right out of the gate. I think I'd like it more staggered. Uh, having back-to-back right, uh, back -back righties in Voight and Myers. Uh, you have Hosmer and then Profar. So sometimes 
If there's a righty on the mound, then you'll have back-to-back -back lefties there. So there's multiple scenarios where you could have back-to-back -back of something. And the spring training lineups that Melvin was using late there, it was pretty much one time where it was back-to-back, -back, and that was Nola Myers, I believe, righty-righty in the middle of the lineup. Uh, we're here. There's kind of multiple scenarios there. But other than that, I'm, I'm pretty fine with the lineup right now because that's what they have. Diamondbacks lineup, Dalton Varsho leading off, playing center. Cattell Marte bat, uh, batting second, playing second. David Peralta in left, Christian Walker at first, Pavin Smith in right, Carson Kelly catching. Seth Beer, designated hitter. Drew Ellis at third, and Geraldo, Geraldo, whatever, however you pronounce his name, Perdomo at shortstop. So, as you could tell, that's not very, that's not a strong lineup there uh, at all, really. You know, you have Marte, Peralta, Walker, and then what else? So, I think that's a lineup that Darvish likes seeing there. <laughs> I think that's, he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll go against this lineup, sure. And that's part of the reason why it's like, okay, Padres got to win this series. You know, let's start off this season winning this series because you weren't able to beat teams that you were you should have beaten last year. That's part of the reason why you collapsed. That's part of the reason why you didn't make the playoffs. You know, you were like 500 against those teams that were under 500 while the Dodgers and Giants were winning like 75% of those games. So this lineup isn't strong. Padres got to capitalize off of that. It's as simple as that. Kwan says he would have gone with Grisham, Nola, Cronenworth, Machado, Voigt, Myers, Hosmer, Profar, Kim. I don't, I don't think Nola should be hitting second. If you're going to do anything, it's lead off or more at the bottom of the lineup. Hitting second is for usually an all-star because they at least have someone on base. You know, He could get on base for that three-hitter, four-hitter. I don't think you really put that for Nola hitting second. But yeah, we all have different opinions and that's what, that's what's great about this. All right, this has been fun. Episode 146 of the Talking Fires podcast. Ben Fadden, your host, signing off. Happy opening day, everyone. Thank you so much for watching and listening. See ya.